Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, I'm Taylor Momsen, and I play Jenny Humphrey on Gossip Girl. Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source into all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to XOXO. I'm super excited because today I have the little J the queen bee, Jenny Humphrey. (laughs) I've got Taylor Momsen on the show today. I was so stoked for this, you guys, because I've barely seen Taylor since the show wrapped. She got super busy with music and touring and I was working on stuff and life kind of just happened. So it was especially great to catch up with her after all these years. I mean, she was like a little sister to me when we were filming. This girl is so talented First of all, she was only 14 when Gossip Girl premiered, and she had already had a huge list of credits, and now she's still in her 20s, and she has a whole second amazing career in music, and she's absolutely killing it. So today, she's going to tell us about her experience on Gossip Girl, leaving school to join the cast, and making music while on the show. All right, here we go. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with the amazing Taylor Momsen. Oh my gosh. It's been forever, girl. It's been forever. How are you? I'm doing great. You look absolutely beautiful. Thank you. You too. Yeah. I mean, you always have been. I just, we went from like living in New York 10, 12 years ago and now we're 
grown up and doing different things and you just look fabulous and oh my god I want to come through the screen and hug you I know I do too I feel like the, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong but I think the last time we saw each other was uh it was a while ago but it was at JFK I was leaving for tour and I think you were flying back to Los Angeles yes we ran into each other there and I just remember this because my manager at the time wouldn't leave me alone he thought you were so hot <laughs> wanted to date you so badly and oh my god it. And it was, uh, I think that was the last time we, we saw each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny and makes me feel very good right now. <laughs> and that was, you were leaving to go on your first tour though, right? I don't think it was our first tour. I, I, it might've been, I don't know. It's all yeah. such a blur at this point. Do you find going on tour super tiring and stressful or are you having so much fun that it, you just, the adrenaline is like awesome? Uh, it's both. I mean, it's so much fun and the adrenaline's awesome and playing every night is just amazing. It's been so long now. Like we haven't played a show in like, it's been like four years, I think. Oh my God. That's crazy. Crazy. I mean, we went through a lot of personal tragedy and stuff and then made the new record and then, you know, COVID, the pandemic hit. So we've just been kind of in lockdown and we finally have announced new shows. We're starting with just some little warm up shows. I wanted to start in New York because it's, you know, hometown. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker through and through now at this point. Uh, I mean, I do, I do have a house in Maine, which is where I'm at right now. Uh, I've been kind of writing out the the COVID in Maine. We were making a record up here and then COVID happened and I just stayed. Um, right. I miss New York. I'm dying to go back. Like it's, it's been too long. I feel like I'm the energy of the city and I'm missing that so yeah, much. Like I need that right now. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> yes. I remember when we would be there like filming and when I would just want a break and I'd go like sit on the couch, I'm like, you can't really chill there because the energy so much, whether it's the sirens or the people or the subway underneath your building. But mm -hmm. there's also something super special about that. Like I, I was always eager to like learn and want to do more, whether it was go to a show or go to an art exhibit or go to a play. Like that's one city where it keeps you going, where I find sometimes in LA, it's just always nice and no one seems to be working. And there's like always <laughs> like a lunch. So I always feel like in New York, I'm like learning and growing as an artist or wanting to become a better artist. Do you feel like that? Oh, yeah. 100%. I, New York keeps you on your toes, you know. There's something so, I don't know, There's I've been literally around the world at this point and there's nowhere else like New York. It's just, it has this energy to it that you can't find in any other city. And, totally. and there's something kind of special about New York, that even though you're surrounded by people, you can hide in New York City, you know, like it has, it has both has all the elements of everywhere in one. Like you can go out, you can walk one block and you're in the heart of everything. Walk a, you know, walk a different street and you're, you're by completely yourself. By yeah. yourself. It's, it's awesome. I also don't think unless you live there, you would ever like imagine that. Cause I remember when I first, that first season of the show, I yeah. remember feeling like that. I, I was like a little lonely at one point. I think I was missing my family. It was a new city, even though everything was awesome. The whole cast was incredible. I loved my apartment. I loved everything. But I just remember one time I'm like, I feel alone right now. And this is crazy because there's millions of people one block from me. There's like cars going by every direction. But yet, <laughs> yeah, I felt very kind of like isolated for a minute. And, and in a way, it kind of felt good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, I, I can't get enough of it. I, I need yeah. both stuff in my life. Yeah. I need isolation to, you know, write and think and come down or whatever. And then I need the excitement of, of the city and tour and that side of life too. So it's, it's, I find, I find New York has the best balance of, of both. You can, yeah. depending on the day you can, you can be wherever you want to be. <laughs> for sure. So when you first moved to New York, was it for 
Gossip Girl, I know you did modeling and acting, you know, your whole life. But was your initial move to New York for Gossip Girl? Yes. Um, yes and no. When I was when I was young, like very young, when I was like two, three, um, starting modeling and, and starting commercials, we would spend summers in New York. So we'd get an apartment for the summer and um, and that's where I'd go to audition and stuff. So I grew up in the city spending a lot of time there, but never permanently lived there until we made the move um, for Gossip Girl. Yeah. Right. You know, I moved when I was, I think I was only 12 in the pilot. <laughs> that's crazy. How was that? It was, it was interesting. I mean, at first, you know, I'd spent so much time my whole life kind of traveling around for, mm-hmm. for projects and I had never really spent a lot of time in one school or like, you know, staying, I never really had a lot of friends growing up and stuff. I, cause I was moving around so much. And so when Gossip Girl came around, we had just settled in, my family just settled in Maryland and I was actually in a school for the first time. You would like go back on breaks and stuff for at least the yeah, first season, right? First season. Yeah. Yep. I see friends and stuff. Um, but when the show came about and it was introduced to me to audition for it and stuff, my agent actually had to fly to Maryland to try to convince me to to do this because I was really content being in the school and having friends for the first well, time. It was a normal thing. You were like going to dances and, and having sleepovers and doing things you do as a kid. And yeah. then it's crazy because on the flip side, there's probably a ton of people trying to act that would do anything to get the opportunity to play Jenny Humphrey, although no one could have played it even remotely close to how you did it. And you, I've been rewatching girl. Wow. You're something else, but let's um, get back to that. So you were content, wanted to stay. So they had to fly out to ask you. Yeah. So my agent flew out and came to my house and was like, this is a really great opportunity. It's a really cool character. It's a really cool show. You're going to get to live in New York city. We know you love New York. Like it's, it's full of fashion, which you love. And it's- did you think it was a cool character? I did. Um, I hadn't read the books yet. He told me to read the books. Um, I think I read the first one. Uh, I don't, God, this is so long ago. Yeah, I I know, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think I read the first one. Anyway, long story short, I ended up auditioning. Uh, We went, I went to, I auditioned in New York, um, took the bus to New York. And uh, very shortly after that, had the part. Like it was a very quick one to audition and your cast. And so then that was the huge shift. Right. And I will say it was the best decision I ever made. I mean, moving to New York, my life just opened up like and flourished in a completely new way. And it probably had you grow as an artist in all different ways, not just as an actor, then growing into the musician that you are and being able to be where you are now. That probably did open the door, even though at the time you were probably not thinking I'm going to do the show. We didn't even know how the show was going to be received. So so it was just kind of one door opening another, which is exactly. kind of what we keep talking about on some of these episodes, which is what is like so fascinating about life. Sometimes you get mad when you don't get the audition or if this song doesn't come out the way you liked it, but then all of a sudden mm-hmm. the next song because of a heartbreak or whatever you went through. Listen to me acting like I know how to write a song. I don't. I mean, it's, not, it's not wrong. You know, you write a lot of bad songs before you write good ones. You go on a lot of failed auditions before you get the part, you know? Right. And, and sometimes you can be hard on yourself where you're like, oh, you know, I wish I would have gotten that job or I can't believe where this person is now. Now and then I'm like, well, I wouldn't be where I am if, you know, if I didn't go to Josh's barbecue, whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> 100%. So you get the audition. Also, uh, David Rappaport, who casted the pilot, had just mm-hmm. told me that you were one of the first that they cast, which I think is awesome because with this cast and how big the show became, that really speaks a testament to how amazing you are and how much everyone believed in you to bring Jenny Humphrey to life because... Um, when the first person is cast on a pilot, that's a lot to go around you. 
there was still a lot of girls to cast. There was still a lot of family members around you. And we know as actors, there's a height thing. There's like hair color, there's skin color that they all got to like mesh well to make sure it flows and looks right and people play off each other. So that's pretty dope that you were the first one. That's totally cool. I don't know if I even knew that. I I might have. But, um, but that's yeah. That's all. I mean, that's very flattering. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And then it was also really cool that um, I'm, I've been rewatching, and I didn't really realize until now how much in that first season your storylines were with everybody. You, you have this relationship with Nate. You're friends with Eric. You have a relationship with Serena because of your brother, Dan, your relationship, obviously, with your family, then your relationship with Vanessa. And I got to episode 11, and I'm like, she's the only character that's literally has, like, spider webs with everyone. And then you're, like, you know, fighting with Queen B to be Queen B. And how was that? Gosh, well, I probably shouldn't say this. This is going to sound awful. I've never watched the show. <laughs> I'll be seen- honest. I didn't watch a lot either until till now. So, <laughs> okay. You'd have to help me with a little refresher here. Um, I've seen the, I mean, I'd watched the pilot obviously. And then after that, I just was very uncomfortable watching myself. So I, I never kept up with it. Um, so having to remember all these storylines and things, I'm probably going to be pretty bad at it. But right. well, um, just so you know, you were so, it came across so effortless. You brought a feeling and a vibe that being this young girl trying to fit in with the older girls also coming from you know, not having as much money as all these other people did and wanting to fit in. There was a lot of different layers and puzzle pieces that you kind of brought together and that people could relate to, even if it wasn't going to this private school that was so much money. A lot of kids in high school are trying to fit in with a certain group or, you know, pretend that they have this or that to be cool with the cool kids. So even if it wasn't about the money in that, there's still layers of Jenny that a lot of kids in high school can relate to. A hundred percent. And I think I, you know, I could relate to Jenny, especially in, you know, in the beginning of where she started and, you know, where I was at as a person, just because, you know, just even looking at the show from an outside perspective or whatever, it's, you know, the you guys were all older than me. I was by far the youngest on set. So like, I kind of always felt a little bit like an outsider who was trying to <laughs> get in with the cool kids, you guys right. being the cool kids, you know? So I think that that element, you know, that part of that character was kind of came naturally to me in a way because I had, I felt like that a lot of the time. I, right. I, always, I always felt like an outsider, like my whole life, which I think is why I ended up in music because you it's can just, express yourself because it's, yeah, it's where I could really be myself and express myself with no judgment or anything. And that's a really beautiful thing that you got to do that. And I'm, we are going to get into all of your music. Cause I have so many questions. I have so many like awe moments and like <laughs> things I can, I just can't believe We're everything that you've done. You because you've done so much awesome <laughs> stuff since, since Aww, you're sweet. I love the Orville. I was just watching it last night like, <laughs> all the time. And that's you're awesome. <laughs> thank you. That's funny. I literally like from gossip girl to shameless to, to playing an alien. People are like, is it I have never heard of the Orville. What is it like? I'm like, it's not like Gossip Girl or Shameless at all. I play an alien and I live on a spaceship. So <laughs> stay tuned. I love the show. And so I'm so happy for you. I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah, Seth is um incredible. I mean, his brain just works on a different level from like Family Guy to the Ted movies to then a spaceship in the future, covering yeah. a lot of current issues that are going on in the world. It's great. I just, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, to you. I totally spaced. You're in Ted too. I love that's right. I did work a couple days on that. That was funny working with the bear, but even his mind with that, like the jokes and the things, he's just really incredible. Um, so that's yeah. The last couple years I was doing that, and then I got pregnant in the beginning of the pandemic, which we weren't planning, but it was the 
for not planning, it was the best time. Well, congratulations. I mean, are you just loving being a mom? I am. She's a really good baby. It changes your life in the best way. Um, I'm glad that I can just like be in Canada right now with him and our baby girl and my stepdaughter and just kind of focus on family instead of like constantly going. Although when she was first born, I was still finishing the season. So she was like on set six hours and I'd be breastfeeding and then she'd go home. That's that's gotta um, be and then, Yeah. So Jenny, when I'm watching this and she was so into all the storylines, like relationships with everyone, I was like, wow, that's like such a crazy dynamic. And she has this with Nate and this. Um, I'm going to play a clip. And since you haven't seen the show in a while, I'll, I'll see if you, if this brings any feelings or if you remember this. Okay. But you don't know what you're dealing with here. Oh, I'm not scared of Blair Nate. No, I'm not talking about... I'm talking about your new circle. I mean, they've been friends with Blair forever, and look what they're doing to her. I mean, you fall out of line, what do you think's gonna happen to you? Well, then I won't fall out of line. I'm not saying you're gonna... It's just... You're not like those girls, Jenny. That's weird, Nate. Since they're my friends, you'd think we'd have some stuff in common. Okay. Well, I will give you this. You've got good aim. <laughs> good aim. I think you threw did you throw yogurt at Blair? Is that what it was? Is that is that the scene? Maybe. I, you're watching. I can't see it. So I'm just like, I don't know what season this is. Uh, well, also Nate was always such a sweetheart. So I just I liked that he was like looking out for you. But yes. if we talk about like in high school and my sister Sadie, who just graduated. She kind of went through some things with girls, and it's just really sad because I think in the moment when girls are in high school and being mean to each other, they don't see the big picture of life in the world. And like in years, the little petty bull crap that they're doing isn't even going to be in their whole universe. Do you know what I'm saying? Of course. Um, it's, it's also a thing about maturity and, and growing up. But uh, did you feel like when you were trying to fit in and do all those things, did you feel like a lot of the fans could connect with that? Certainly. I mean, I think that that's a really common feeling that anyone in adolescence goes through, you know, whether you're the popular kid in school or the outcast or whatever, everyone feels like that when they're growing. I mean, at least from anyone I've talked to, everyone feels right. displaced as a kid and they don't know where they're, they're constantly trying to find their group or their niche or where they're going to fit in. And everyone finds it different, you know, in a different space. But a hundred percent, I think, I think that that was one of the reasons I liked the character Jenny so much is that she was very relatable and people, you know, lots of people feel the way Jenny feels. How did you feel about Jenny's, her, her fashion, her style? Because it changed throughout the whole thing. Did you like it? It did. It was fun. First of all, you got to talk about Eric. I mean, Eric Dane was just just the best. Um, I love him through and through. And so getting to work with him and play with fashion in a real way, in this kind of almost outlandish way, if you think about it, was was so much fun. And to see Jenny's development, I mean, it's, you know, when the, uh, when the show first started in the, you know, first season and stuff, I had no say in in my character's look. Um, you know, it's very much plain Jenny Humphrey. And as the show developed and and my personal life and my personal style developed um into my teenage years, that Eric started to kind of draw from that and incorporate that into the character, which was really fun for me because it was just like getting to 
pick outfits that I would wear with a little bit of craziness to make it a little more, you know, uh, gossip girl or whatever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I remember I used to always, people would be like, do you, um, would you dress like Vanessa? I said, we have similar things. Like I like funky, but she like really funky really things. Funky. I'm like, she's always. <laughs> I know. And I think Eric did such a great job of that too. Cause he, I think he did that with, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but just from the way I kind of see it is he, he did that with every character. We incorporated pieces of yourself as, you know, the person into the character to make the kind of transition almost seamless, which at times for me was very weird in a public eye kind of sense, because, you know, you'd have paparazzi taking your photo and then it would be in the tabloids as Taylor Momsen's doing this or wearing this. And it would look like, you know, I'm getting coffee. And in reality, I'm drinking coffee in a scene wearing costume and wearing Jenny's clothes not Taylor's and so that kind of that kind of identity uh, I don't know what you want to not not crisis of identity but that kind of identity conflict in the press where people really thought I was Jenny Humphrey and it and that I think was the thing that started to kind of grate on me the most where it was like I'm not this character I relate to this character I play this character well and stuff but I'm I'm a completely different person at my core and I think that that struggle started to really um bother me at a certain point where I just was so defiant against it where I was very I'm someone else right and I can relate to that because sometimes still I'll be like we were in Italy and someone came up and was like like grilling me about Vanessa and I was like okay one it was a tv show (laughs) it's entertainment and I'm not her Mm -hmm. but like I love your passion for the show girl but um yeah it just became very weird for me like it it was right. hard for me to kind of wrap my head around it. Also, because you have to remember, too, you, you were there. The the way the tabloid paparazzi side of things came out of nowhere. Like, none of us were right. for that. I mean, we're just going to work. Like, you know, I'd been acting my whole life. You'd been acting. Like, we were just going to a job. And then suddenly, They're like, here's a security guard. is being photographed and, and put into the, in, into the papers. And it was just a very weird adjustment that happened overnight. Yeah, it did have. It seemed like it happened so fast. And it was just like... We all got calls saying, you guys, everyone needs to get a publicist. And we're like, wait, what? And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you, everyone's being followed so much. Everyone's watching your every move. And as as weird as it is, if you ever thought you were going to get a job that would do that to you, you almost would think like, okay, you can figure it out. But it is real shocking and weird when it happens because you just oh, yeah. you can't be prepared. to. Yep. Why does everyone want to know everything about every little detail in our life? In retrospect, I never got a publicist. I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, but what I was going to say is, I think George Clooney might have said it, and it was years ago, something when he was on ER. He goes, when you're in a show where you're in someone's living room every week for months, years, mm-hmm. these people think like they know you. They think mm-hmm. they know your character, know you, so they can't separate it. And I remember hearing that or reading it years later after ER or whatever, and I remember thinking that kind of makes sense because some people will come up or, like you were saying, when you're photographed as Jenny and the world and these fans think it's Taylor, you're like, mm-hmm. no, I was literally working nine months a year shooting this show. Yes. 90% of the pictures you guys saw was not Taylor. <laughs> yes. Well, the, and the good thing about, and I guess the fun part about Eric, back to the wardrobe of Eric was when he started to kind of incorporate my style into Jenny, that made me feel a lot more confident in myself and, and in that situation of being photographed all the time. Because so I was like, well, if they're going to think it's me anyway, at least I look then like Then here me. you go. but at least I look like me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay. I'm going to do a quote game with you quick. And then I want to get into your album and your tour and all the things. I'm going to give you a quote and then you tell me who you think said it. 
Okay. A year of cheese for $600? Are these people kidding? I could buy a cow for that much money and make my own cheese. Uh, I'm going to go with Dan or you. <laughs> a year of cheese for $600? Are these people kidding? I could buy a cow for that much money and make my own cheese. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Okay. I could take this opportunity to gloat, but I actually like you. Uh, oh, that could be a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Blair? I could take this opportunity to gloat, but I actually like you. Vanessa. <laughs> oh, you. Okay. Um, okay. Last one. You need to be cold to be a queen. You need to be cold to be a queen. Uh, that's got to be Blair. You need to be cold to be queen. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she's Blair she's to you. Queen Queen B. Giving me the <laughs> advice of, of how to be a B. <laughs> <laughs> that storyline was pretty epic, though. And the way, like, Jenny kind of hung on there was was because I hadn't seen it all. So when I went back and watched it, I was always like, oh, okay, all right, Jenny. I, I should have watched it. I got to watch it. I can't. I get so uncomfortable. I can't watch myself. Like you guys, I've actually found it really fun. I started watching, um, I'm not too far into it, but I started watching the the new Gossip Girl. Have you seen it? I haven't yet. How, how do you feel about it? Well, I watched like the, I've only seen like the first episode. Um, but it, uh, <laughs> I was, I was watching it and I was like, oh, is this how people felt about our show? Our show? <laughs> Because I can't watch our show. I just look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Jess and that's Leighton and that's well, you know, like I know right. you guys. So I can't see it from this outside perspective of just kind of the pure fun and and just entertainment. Pure entertainment that it was because I just see all the inside relationships and stuff. And so it's it's hard for me to kind of see it from an outside perspective. Who did you I don't want to say the most fun, because I know it was fun in different ways with different people, like the way I would laugh with Chase was different with you than it was with Leighton. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. but who did you, when you look back, who, who like pops in your head that you had the most laughs with or, or fun with? Most fun with? Um, I mean, I had a good, I, well, first of all, I got to mention Connor. I mean, because Connor and I were still very good friends. Mm -hmm. um, he was kind of my first conduit. Because when I moved to the city, I wanted to go to school. So for the first year, I actually went to a high school in New York. I went to PPAS. Um, that didn't last very long because <laughs> I just, it became too much of a hassle and I just ended up doing homeschool. Um, and Connor's but, Eric, by the way, guys. Yes. Oh, sorry. Connor. Yes, yeah. Connor um, but he, he was a senior at PPAS. And so I kind of fell into his friend group and he was mm -hmm. very like inviting to, you know, come to the school, come hang out with my friends and stuff. And so that was, uh, that was a relationship that we've created very quickly and, and still have. So I always like when he was on set, that was always fun. Yeah. But, um, but every, but I everyone like, brought a different thing. Yeah. And then, you, you know, all the behind the scenes people too. Like I, some, I met some of my best friends on that show, like just hanging out in the hair and makeup room. I mean, like that's, <laughs> I feel like that's my biggest memory of the sh whole show is getting there at like 4am and hanging out with all the dogs. And I was hair just going to say there was like 30 <laughs> dogs in there. Cause you had two dogs. Yeah. Blake had a dog. Layton had a dog. I had a dog mm -hmm. at one point. Jen had a dog. Yeah. You guys, we would come in and go in this makeup trailer and there would literally be about 13 dogs. Yeah. It was like an animal shelter. <laughs> it was. And I used to think we better not have like a guest star come on who is like allergic because they're literally oh, yeah. going to not make it through hair and makeup. We're going to have to recast because it was literally more dogs than people. Yeah. No, so I remember all that stuff. Like I, I spent probably my most of my time when I wasn't in homeschool or 
actually filming my uh, I never was in my dressing room. I was always in the hair and makeup room. And they had a decorated member when they put all of the paparazzi pictures of everyone all over yes. all the walls. We'd yeah. come in and be like, when was that taken? Those photographers are sneaky. Super sneaky. Super sneaky. It was actually kind of like scary sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember they followed, I was taking my sister to school once and they, they followed me to the school and I I was like, that's the line. Like, that's too far. Yeah. Like, you don't need to know where my sister. Yeah. I got to, like, she's in elementary school. Like, stop it. This is. Right. I don't like this. <laughs> um, so I like me too to kind of like befriend them. I don't know if you did that, but I, the ones that you'd see all the time, I'd start talking to them and. They had a little bit more respect then. More respect. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, not yet. Can you just wait one second before you take a picture? <laughs> let me just put my lip gloss on. Yeah. Let me just no. let me make this better. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time Leighton, Penn and I were walking. Remember we always had, all of a sudden one day we all had security guards, which was also mm-hmm. crazy. And we were all walking and one of the photographers fell back. He was running backwards trying to get a photo and fell. And you know that like little fences around all the trees on the Upper East Side? He like tripped over that. And I went down to like grab to help him up. And one Mm -hmm. of the security guards was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, why? I'm just trying. And he's like, that's like a lawsuit. Then you have a ton of other photographers showing you while he's on the ground. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. I'm like, first of all, thank you. But is he okay? Like, get him up. Okay? But I, yeah. the fact that, like, that was even a thought process of, you know what I mean? Was, mm-hmm. was but that's how crazy it was that you couldn't walk and people were falling and girls are screaming and, yeah, it was like very stressful sometimes. It was mania. I mean, like, it, there were you know when you cheat on location and you do a scene and then you have an entire audience of fans watching like applaud the scene afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay, this is like theater in some way. Like, yeah. Do you remember when? there was a time where they didn't want storylines to get out. So they would send our sides with X's and just, I'd get to set and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying in 20 minutes. I would be like nervous because I'm someone that likes to run my stuff and Vanessa's vocabulary. Sometimes she would use it. I'm like, why does she talk like this all the time? (laughs) But there was times I needed to look up certain things of what the, you know, what she's trying to say or do this. And I would be like nervous when it was like paragraphs of X's because I'm like, I, I don't know what she's even talking about. Yeah. Wasn't that crazy? That's how big the show was that they didn't want storylines to get out that we were going to set not knowing our scenes. Yeah. I think when that started happening too, that's when I learned very quickly, like to, I mean, you, we all had to, but to, you know, you get your sides to like at 4am that morning and learn the scene. So I, that kind of learn it, forget it, learn it, forget it, learn it, forget it. Rhythm became like very second nature to me. Yeah. It did after, after a little bit for me too, but I I remember being so nervous at first and I was like, I don't want to mess up someone's lines or do this, but it was also just something never on a set before had I gone through. Oh no. I mean, I mean, I remember looking like the first thing I'd always do is like, look to see how thick the sides were. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I'm today because I'm real tired. I, exactly. <laughs> how much coffee do I have to add to this Red Bull? <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that funny? Yeah. And it really was a good crew too. All the camera guys and yeah. just everyone was so sweet and it was a big family. How was it for you when, when it was done? Were you ready? Was it bittersweet? What did you? Well, I, I left, I, you know, my story is a little different than everyone else's. I, cause I formed the band and I really, and we'd completed a record, our first record, light me up. And I, I really wanted out. Like I really wanted, you know, I was very appreciative of everything gossip had given me and, and I loved you guys and I loved, you know, I loved the show, but I just was very unhappy. I don't even know if unhappy is the right word. I just was very unfulfilled doing that. And like, I didn't see my, I was, it'd become very you were ready for a change. 
I was ready for a change. I, I had, I kind of had this revelation of like, you know, I, I started acting when I was so young and I was, I was put into it by my family. And so I didn't know any different. I didn't know I didn't have to do that. I didn't like, that was always my life. And I kind of came to this conclusion. I just like, a light bulb went off in my head or something where it was like, Oh, I don't have to do this. Like I can actually do what I love to do. And this is a job and I can, you can leave a job. Um, right. And, you know, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of struggles and a lot of conversations to get out of the, sh- to get out of it. But I, I really owe it to Stephanie and Josh who at the end of the day, they, they, they couldn't let me out of my contract, but they could write me out. And, and they did that. And I'm so thankful to them for that because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am now if they hadn't done that, if they had, you know, forced me to stay and be there right. you know, all year long. And, and instead I got to go on tour and really pursue my music in a real way. And, um, and I'm just forever, I owe them so much for that. That is cool of them. It's also, and it probably goes a little bit too, where they were so pleased with what you brought to the table for Jenny and how much you fulfilled that role. Um, so maybe there, you know, there was a, bit of that too, where it's like, listen, she couldn't have given us more and she did such a great job and people love Jenny Humphrey so much. And you were really great to work with. You showed up knowing your stuff. You brought like an energy that was, you were very organic in your scenes. Uh, You were just great. And to be honest, I didn't always realize that you were getting like one hour of sleep. So (laughs) hats off, like kudos to you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was a wonderful experience that I wouldn't take back for the world, but I think I had just I had hit that point where I, I had had enough of that experience and I needed to, to kind of spread my wings and, and do my own thing. And I just, like I said, I, I can't say it enough because I, I never really talk about this, especially in press and stuff. And it's just right. when I left the show, there was a lot of rumors that I was fired or this, you know, all that kind of bullshit that came out, um, none of which was true. And, and, uh, right. and I just, I, can't say it enough that I'm so, so grateful to them for allowing me to, to leave and, and go on tour and pursue my, my true passion. You played Cindy Lou. That was a huge character that will go down in history. A lot of families watch that movie every year for for Christmas. So not only at my age, and then all of my siblings watched it, and now my nieces. That's pretty epic and awesome. How how was that? Um, I, again, so young. I mean, I was I was five when I filmed The Grinch. So I I'm not. I'm still to this day not sure how much I remember actually, and how much I remember kind of because. I've put the pieces together from watching it and from stories my family's told me and, right. you know, and all of that. But it was, I mean, I, I had a great experience on The Grinch. I don't remember anything other than just so much fun. And where did you film that? We filmed it in Los Angeles on a soundstage. Okay. Um, took about at least my part of the filming, I think, took about seven months, eight months. So it was a pretty long That's film. Really long. And then before we started filming, there was about two months of what they called Who School, <laughs> which is where, which is where, yeah, which is where you had to do like, you essentially went to stunt training, um, and so we, I learned to like walk on a ball and do all these crazy things, which I never ended up really doing in the movie. But it was, uh, it was certainly it was like this weird, fun boot camp where they put together the the look of all the who's and you know prosthetic tests and you know all that stuff. Um, and how long was the makeup process? My make I get that asked that all the time, and my makeup process is actually pretty quick because I was too young to wear prosthetics. Oh, so, right, right. So I was the only who or whatever that didn't have uh, 
didn't have a nose, a weird nose. And they, they actually reference that in the movie. They say something like she hasn't even grown into her nose yet or something. Right. Okay. That's a little fun fact. I just had a little blush on my nose. But uh, it was probably like, a, you know, I don't know how long. It, what I do remember, because the wig took a while and I had some false lashes, which I thought was really fun. Um, I do remember getting dressed took forever because the amount of layers that you wore as a who was insane. Because right. you had pads that made your body shaped weird. You had, I wore like 17 pairs of tights. and like, <laughs> You were so cute. And like, by the time I remember the worst part about it was every time I was finally get dressed, I always had to go pee. And I was like, oh God, of course. To get everything off again. Um, <laughs> so you were five then. Then you booked the pilot for Gossip Girl. I know you worked in between all those. I'm just hitting ones yeah, that, yeah, no. you know. Then then you get the pilot for Gossip Girl at 12. You, you live in New York doing all that. And then you decide to go into music. Now, you always sang, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been singing since before I can remember. My parents tell me that I was humming melodies and stuff before I could talk. Like, that was – I came out Like, it was of just it. in you. It was just in me. Um I started writing songs at a very young age. I mean, granted, terrible songs, but <laughs> it was just something I always did. And The Grinch was one of the things I loved about The Grinch. And one of the reasons I loved the character when I found this out was that I was going to get to sing in the movie. And that was actually my first experience in a recording studio. You know, I got to work with James Horner, who's just an absolute legend. And uh, and I'll just, I'll never forget that moment of walking into the recording studio and putting headphones on for the first time and singing into a microphone and hearing you know, an orchestra and right. all this sound coming at me. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the whole experience. And then filming that scene was essentially my first music video. That's probably where I got the the bug of wanting to make records, you know, because as a right. child, you don't think that far ahead. You don't know what, what it takes. And so that's where I really fell in love with the recording studio um, and that side of, of music. And from there, I just, you know. Yeah. And then when... When did Pretty Reckless come along? Did you have that in the back of your mind early on? Like, just give me like the little backstory of like Pretty Reckless. Yeah. Well, when I, before Gossip Girl, you know, I was always playing and like putting together bands at my school and I was writing songs and playing guitar and piano. And when we started the show, moved to New York, I started, uh, I started writing a lot more. I think I really turned to writing music as this kind of catharsis and this this thing that I could do just for me because my my whole life had become so public in this weird way that um, I found that I really needed it and it was kind of mm-hmm. how I balanced my life and and find my center and and how I coped with everything and so I, I became very entrenched in writing and uh, and and you know wanting to record but I always wanted to be in a band like that was my mm-hmm. I knew that when I was little because it started with the Beatles. Right. (laughs) But bigger than that, it was I really wanted to, you know, kind of create my own family and and have that love that, you know, a band gives you of this support system that you're in it together and you're in the trenches together and you're doing it together. And it's, you know, because who wants, I've said the quote, like, you know, who wants to be Elvis Presley? Like, you want to be the Beatles. Who wants to do this alone? It's so lonely. (laughs) You're like, let's do it together. Let's go kill it. Let's do it together. Um. Make Me Want to Die on Spotify has like almost 65 million plays. What's that feeling like? Because you're doing art and you're putting it out in the world and you're being vulnerable and you're telling your story and people are coming along on the ride with you. And then when it's a success like that, what what does that feel like? It's 
it's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. It's, um, it's incredibly rewarding, you know, cause, uh, but it's, it's also kind of mind boggling, I guess. Um, because I, like I was saying, I, I make music so much for myself that when I'm making a record or writing a song or whatever, I really, I don't think about the outside world. I don't think about people hearing it. I don't think about reception. I don't think, you know, any of that. Right. Um, I'm just doing it cause I need to. And when you put out an album or you put out a record into the world, it's, this, it's, it's always this bittersweet moment of like release days, this bittersweet day of like, you're so excited that everyone's going to finally hear it because you completed this piece of work that you're so proud of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, again, I don't have kids, but I always use this analogy. It feels like sending a kid off to college or something. Like it doesn't belong to you anymore. It's no longer yours once other people hear it. So it's this weird moment of like, well, I hope I raised you well. Like, do me proud. Right. I guess it's kind of like when you audition for Gossip Girl and you go and you just can put everything into the role and try to do You don't know if the show is going to be a hit the way it was. You just go show up and do what you do. With your music, mm-hmm. it's like you just got to show up do your you art, push yourself to be better than you were before and just keep, and keep doing it. And, yeah. and, and the cool thing about that is that you're always fulfilled. Like if you, if you're doing it for the right reasons, which to me, the right reasons are do it for yourself. If you're doing it for yourself, you're never disappointed because at the end of the day, like I can turn around and play a song on my guitar and that makes me happy. Like even if no one else is hearing it. So it's, it's a very, I think that's a very healthy way to look at life. If you're doing something that makes you happy just for you, and your goal isn't outside of that, then anything that comes along with that is just going to be, you know, gravy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to, um, I want to play a little bit of your song from your new album, Death by Rock and Roll, which was the highest selling album in the country in its release week. It's so sick. I have goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. That's so good. So do you um, write all the lyrics? Does someone help you write the music with it? Do you do all of it? Um, Well, there's no direct process. The only kind of consistent thing is Ben, our guitar player. Uh, Ben and I write all the music and all the mm. songs. So we're the only two writers of the band. And there is no, there's no process. I like, I always say, I wish, I wish there was like, I, the hardest thing is inspiration. And I always say, if I knew where inspiration came from, I'd move there. Um, <laughs> because there's no formula. Like I don't write music with a, I don't craft songs like that, like a formula. So it's, it, it's everything just starts with an idea. And sometimes that's a dual thing when we're together. Sometimes it's a riff. And you just play off each other. We just play off each other. Sometimes it's, you know, songs come in five minutes and I write the whole thing and I go check this out. It's, it, mm-hmm. there is no, there's no process. I wish there was, but, uh, but yeah, it's just the, the two of us write all the music together and, um, and it seems to be working out pretty well. Yeah, it does girl. When I met Ben and, uh, Kato, our producer who, who sadly is no longer with us, he passed in a motorcycle accident a couple of years back. Sorry. Um, God. I met them when I was on the show and it was in, uh, I think it was, probably season two, beginning of season two is when I met them. And that's really when, when the three of us met, that's kind of where the Pretty Reckless formed, um, basically, is, is Ben and I started writing together and it just worked. It was just this kind of magical meeting of minds that, you know, is so rare in, in the universe that it just worked with the, 
and it uh, and that's really where the prerequisite started. So yes, I to go back to your previous question from a long time ago. We, I started the band while on the show, so I was essentially doing two jobs at the same time. And on in season two, season three, I think if I have my timeline right. I didn't sleep at all. (laughs) I was just going to say, how could you? Because our hours were long and we were doing 22 episodes a year. So we were working like eight to nine months. By the time you even had a hiatus, we were like getting scripts to come back. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a season we even did more than 22. And and the hours were long. So if you were on set, and as I just explained how many storylines Jenny had, if you're on set for 12 to 15 hours and then you're doing music at night, I mean, when are you sleeping? I didn't. I lived off of Red Bull. (laughs) Red Bull and then on set in the morning, I used to get like really burned turkey bacon. But no, you get picked up at like 4 a.m. to go to set. You work till whatever time. Um, And then from there, I would always just go straight to the studio and just work making a record and be there till, you know, two in the morning. Go And then get picked up at 4 a.m.? Picked up again, yeah. Do you know what I used to be so scared of when it was those early morning pickups because it was so dark out and, you know, like the garbage Mm -hmm. piles? I was always terrified when I'd walk to the corner to get in the van, like the transpo van to take us to work, that rats were going to run out. So I'd put my (laughs) headphones on and stomp all the way to the van. If someone saw me, they were like, who's that crazy girl and what is she on? Because she's like, looks nuts. But I was, I don't like rodents. And so I would always, and it was dark. So I'm always like stomping. That just reminded me those 4am pickups were brutal. They were brutal. That's funny. I've I've decided in order to live with the rats in New York, I just name them. Okay. I, th- I don't. Does that help? That one's Joey. He's cool. This one's uh, Marky. He's fine. <laughs> oh my god, is that funny? I don't know if I, I maybe that would help. I don't know, but there was just times where we would shoot, and I'm like, I can't handle it. Um, <laughs> can you tell me when your tour starts? Where it's going to be? How can people get tickets? Uh, we're starting in Brooklyn on March 22nd and 23rd. We're playing two shows back to back, two little warm up shows, um, which we're very excited about. And after that, I don't know what's announced yet, but we're we're off. We're off on everywhere, everywhere. Oh my god, so cool! And then can they just go on your website? Do you just go Ticketmaster? It's just yeah. Um, you can go to thepreteckless.com. You can go to deathbyrockandroll.com. Any of the socials, my Instagram, the band Instagram. Uh, and then Ticketmaster, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So once they're announced, they'll be everywhere for sale. <laughs> oh my God, that's so awesome. I'm going to really try to come to one of the shows in in Brooklyn and I'll try to get like a little crew in New York to come and- Yeah, that would be great. I have to like cheers you and jam out and I can't wait to hug you, girl. I'm so happy for you and and the band and I hope your family's good. Yeah, everyone's doing good. Everyone's doing good. And I'm so, I'm so happy for you too. Like this is- been a lot. This is cool. It's just been great to talk to you. And like, I'm just so glad you're you're flourishing. You have family. You look glowing in the best yeah. way. Like, Thanks, girl. Aw. You're killing it. Killing Thanks. it. Thanks. So are you. Aw. Well, I really, um, this really was just like wonderful. I like have like warm feelings inside. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, we'll like, can't wait to hear all the new stuff. Come on your tour. And I'm excited for everyone to like just keep watching you grow and hear all your good stuff. That literally, that riff in the beginning of that song, like gives me, did you see I had goosebumps? <laughs> I legit was like, woo. A little grainy, but you did say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, I'm just real proud of you, girl. Thank you. Thanks so much. Taylor, ah, you're a literal rock star, girl. 
It was just so great to talk to you and I can't wait to see you on tour. You just bring such a realness to everything you do. You're an artist in every way and you lead with your heart and passion and and really that's what it's all about. To everyone listening, make sure to check out The Pretty Reckless in their dope new album, Death by Rock and Roll, and check out their tour schedule and try to catch them live if you can. And you never know, maybe I'll see you in the crowd. Okay, so that's it for today. If you liked this episode, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment. I swear we'll read them. And until next time, XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.